0: Welcome to the Week 6 edition of the Friday Ringer Gambling Show with my old buddy, Joe House. We're going to be breaking down this entire NFL card, reacting a little bit Thursday night football. So on that note, House, what would you think about this game? We just witnessed the Kansas City Chiefs limiting the highly inept Russell Wilson slash Sean Payton, Denver Broncos-led offense. Any takes on this game?
2: Sharpie. There were two big question marks coming into this game, and both of them impacted my handicapping and wagering. Not a big wager, mind you, but there was early in the week speculation about the weather playing a role in this game. There was a forecast of some high winds in the mix, and then Travis Kelsey's ankle was a big question mark, but he must have... We saw Taylor on the television screen, so he must have got a little TLC because he was out there on the field, and his play impacted the outcome, so he deserves whatever flowers Taylor's given to him after this game, but the wind never materialized, and Travis played, so Kansas City covered by half point because the number closed at at 10.5, and and I had a little action down on on Denver at at, uh, plus 10.5 in this one, Sharpie. Yeah, I mean, there are there a number of surprising things. I guess one was sort of the weather.
0: I agree. Um, We're not going to dive deep into it now. We've talked about weather before, but just realize that there are some weather games this week and you really do need to be very closely paying attention to the weather forecast or listen to people that are. Don't just go by what you see in terms of the line movement and people ranting and raving about the weather necessarily because um, there are people that get down for very low limits, they don't have to bet a lot on Sunday night, but if everybody's getting down the week the lines come out, not everybody, but, you know, the groups of people together, them and their buddies are getting down on these games, then they are limit betting and they're moving these totals down. And then everybody on like Monday and Tuesday starts talking about the potential for weather. And then it just kind of snowballs from there. But the reality is a lot of these forecasts aren't that great on Sunday and Monday. And I mean, there are certain situations that explode from a weather perspective, but a lot of these are not really going to explode in quite this way. And we saw that tonight. Um, this game went under. This total was bet lower. The total was too high. But this was not a game that was going to be impacted by tremendous amounts of weather. So that was one thing that was surprising. The other thing, House, that was surprising to me a little bit is, you know, you got this Chiefs offense and their defense is better than people think. This offense though feels like I mean how much worse is it than we think because they should have been able to steamroll the Denver Broncos defense. Denver Broncos do not have a very good defense and what Denver seemed to be doing is sitting back and trying to take away the deep stuff well that's okay like the Chiefs this is right in their wheelhouse. they like to throw the ball underneath. but what it seems to me is happening a little bit too much is Patrick Mahomes is letting the the the, the plays, And the routes that are designed just appear like blurred vision for him. And he's zoning in on the relationship that he has with Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey goes off script so much. And Patrick Mahomes knows that that's going to happen. And so they're almost always going to make the defense wrong and figure out some way to connect. But then what happens when the defense actually adjusts and like doubles Kelsey takes him away. Then Mahomes just isn't used to getting the ball to the right routes where it's supposed to go and do it in time and in sync and in rhythm with this offense. And we see a lot of errors. Now, receivers need to catch the balls too. There were a lot of drops as well. But I was definitely surprised at the way this offense seemingly could only function if they were throwing the ball to Travis Kelsey. And they absolutely have too many other weapons there not great weapons but you know guys that can be in the right position that they shouldn't be doing this and also Sorry, ranting here, House. What the fuck was Andy redoing doing with this game plan? I mean, I had no idea these, like, they're getting into scoring range and then he's calling these trick plays left and right that don't have any chance of success. It's like, you got Patrick Mahomes here. You let Patrick Mahomes cook. Instead, we're using these end arounds. We're having uh, fake field goal tush pushes with our long snapper trying to lead the way instead of our, you know, all pro center. Uh, it, it it made no sense and I wrote a tweet tweet on X. I guess it's not a tweet. I wrote a post on X and I theorized that this was like the Kansas City Chief Elementary School, uh, the Kansas City Elementary Schools all put in submissions, all these little kids to call plays for this game. And Reed just picked them out of a hat because I had no idea what he was calling half the time. It really was like out of sync. It was these random plays that weren't timed well and didn't really work and just set the offense back. So a really strange game in many different ways.
2: Well, I think a couple of things could be going on. Short work week for sure. Not knowing 100% that Travis Kelsey was going to play. Also, they know the Broncos and they they, you know, sized up this defense. We've seen they've seen enough of this defense to I I think, you know, have a game plan where they 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 clearly felt like they could mess around on the edges some. But the the big takeaway to me based on on your observation there is the work in progress of the new relationships that Patrick Mahomes is building with his receivers? I think ultimately, Rasheed Rice is going to be a stud. He 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 to me always jumps up. There's always one play a game with Rice where he's jumping off the screen in terms of you know a kind of electricity that you've come to a, a accustomed to. You become accustomed to with a Kansas City offense. So. I, you know, I understand the frustration with the way the play calls went, but it looked like this was a classic, just pull out enough game, you know, just, 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 just enough to get over the hump, which is why I thought that 10 and a half was a good number for Denver. I will tell you on the Denver side, honestly, they look like a, a, a perfectly mediocre football team, which is leaps and bounds better than they looked all the way up until this point. Honestly. The um, win against the Bears, I guess, is the, 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 the best showing, but um, that, the defense held the Chiefs to one touchdown and uh, a handful of field goals, two of which were, you know, more than 50 yards, so pretty good defense on short notice uh, by the Broncos. Maybe they're headed towards, you know, a six- or seven-win season. Congratulations, Sean Payton.
0: Yeah, I I don't know six or seven wins. That would be very optimistic. I'll take the strong (laughs) under on that for sure. I, 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 I think yes, they they the defense looked better, but I really think in large part this was because the Kansas City Chiefs' offense was just in disarray for a large portions of the game, or at least just certain plays, certain third downs, certain you know red zone possessions. I don't know really what they were doing. I felt like if they just kept handing the ball off to Pacheco and tell him to run between the tackles, like that was their best offense. Some of these sweeps with Pacheco weren't, weren't really working out. And, and then a lot of the pass plays. But uh you mentioned some of the, you know, the public here. I want to talk about some of the big lines and and some of the injuries. Before I do that, public-related house. Uh, how do you feel the NFL is handling the the Taylor Swift being at the games now? Were you? okay with the amount of promotion that she was getting on the show tonight which was a little bit less than what we've seen in games past and uh, i think they toned it down a touch
2: yeah tonight was the the appropriate dose of of taylor Agreed. swift okay the friday the the sunday night in new york was 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 preposterous i mean <laughs> N- nbc needs to look itself in the mirror and really consider its place in the sports world i mean there are there are broadcasters i like on there but like the the handling of that was Preposterous. So that that's enough on that topic, though. Let's let's get into some genuine handicapping on this public note. I just want to observe uh, the the good peeps at Action Network have been, you know, putting this out and paying attention to it. Uh, this is the best start for the public. And when we talk about the public, we're talking about situations where the the public there is has bet at least. 51% of the tickets on a particular side. And so the public has been on a roll through these first five weeks. There is going to be a reckoning. The question I pose to you, is this the week for the reckoning? Because we had three double-digit lines coming into the week. The Chiefs just covered one, but we have two gigantic lines. The, the Dolphins are laying 13 and a half at home against the Panthers and the bills are laying 14 and a half at home uh the dayball revenge game against the new york giants um is this a situation where those numbers are are just just too big and the public's going to going to catch it on the chin you know how are we supposed to handicap this
0: uh well we're going to find out very soon i think a lot of these teams once you start reaching this point in the season week 6 or so where teams are struggling to earn wins and they're viewed as Collectively very bad teams. Inherently, there becomes some line value in backing these teams. They've got a lot of, uh, priority to, to win a game, you know, get off the schneid, get a victory. And then, uh, what ends up happening there is this is, is they may not win for a little while. They may not win, like come out and shock the world and win this week, but they'll start to cover some of these spreads that are getting too high and the spreads will continue to get high. We talked about this a little bit with the Arizona Cardinals um, back several weeks ago, but clearly it's happening with teams like the Giants or teams like the Carolina Panthers as well. Um, and they're going up against, you know, the best teams in the NFL, the best offenses in the NFL. Um, the key question that I have in both of these games house actually is, you know, the, the, the defenses of the Dolphins And the Buffalo Bills here, in order to secure a large cover like this, you have to prevent a backdoor. You have to make sure you get out to a lead, stop the other team early enough in the game, and then prevent some like late garbage time scores as well. The Bills dealt with so many injuries over in London. And then you got the Dolphins. They just have a bad defense right now. I mean, Vic Fangio's defense is not performing up to standards, our expectations. So... That is going to be an interesting game against the Carolina Panthers who, you know, if if Bryce Young is not being pressured and he's got a couple of receivers there, including Adam Thielen, who we're going to be talking about in the betting buddy segment, that definitely can be, you know, not not a threat to destroy an opponent, but certainly a reliable target who can progress and matriculate the ball down the field a little bit for you. So that game is going to be fascinating from that respect. But to answer your question simply... I don't know if this is the week. I'm not betting any of these favorites, but I'm certainly not taking it with any of these huge dogs either this week.
2: Right. I'm in the same position as you. They're they're, kind of stay away moments, and let's let other folks uh, weigh in. Um, We have another early Sunday start to this week six slate. Um, We are in London with the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. The line, Baltimore is favored by four. The total is 41. And I'll just read off a couple of these um, numbers that have to do with the total. The Ravens have gone under in 15 of their last 19. The Titans have gone under in eight of their last nine. Tennessee and Baltimore, those two teams in the 10 games that they've played, they haven't gone over 40 points in seven of those 10 games that each of those teams has played. And so, of course, I really like the over in this game <laughs> because I watched that Baltimore-Pittsburgh game. And I feel like Baltimore left, I don't know, 28 to 35 points on the field <laughs> up there. To whatever they're calling formerly known as, as Hines. Accresure? Accresure. Accresure, yes. Yeah, congratulations, Accresure. Um uh, between the drops and you know, there was you know some genuine you know Lamar mistakes, but it was an extraordinarily misleading line for for poor Lamar. Um, the number of times that there were game changing passes that he, I mean, they were very accurate uh, hitting guys in the end zone. Who, who I can't remember who dropped oh, Rashad Bateman dropped one. I mean, they hit him right in the hands, wide open in the end zone. Z- Zay Flower had one you know, dropped into his back pocket that he dropped. So I like Baltimore. I like the way this offense has been trending. And I think that this could be one where they just come out because the the, the Tennessee defense, it, it, we've known that it's been a pass funnel defense. Well, they couldn't stop the run against Detroit. Now, Detroit does have uh, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Um, and I don't know. I don't think we're going to touch on that Detroit-Tampa game. Uh, very much tonight but uh i i I really like what I'm seeing out of Detroit. They rushed the ball down Tennessee's throat, so Baltimore you know can bring this full playbook to bear per- perhaps, and the Tennessee defense you know maybe not as strong against the run what's your your point of view on this game
0: yeah, I'm pulling up what my what I made this total uh approximately because I understand your thought process here um bucking kind of the sentiment of of what this series has been per se and going with uh, the over. Now I don't make it as high as this number. So I am mm. not thinking that there's a lot of value in the over. Okay, that being okay. said, um, I look at this game and I look at the matchup and I understand how Mike Vrabel has played Lamar Jackson in the past in 2019 in the playoffs uh, in, in terms of trying to make Lamar beat him through the air, right? Like take away the the really underneath stuff, take away the run game, try to make him beat him through the air. And then in 2020, there was a couple of games as well. Same type of scenario. Um, the key for me, though, is I think the Ravens are going to say, fine, we'll beat you through the air. Like we have confidence in our players and our new offense coordinator. This is no longer Greg Roman. This is a new offense coordinator. They have a higher emphasis in the passing game. They have better passing concepts in place. They turn to the pass earlier in games, so they're more prepared to pass the ball on you from that opening kickoff as opposed to, Oh crap! Now we got to pass the ball. It's the third quarter, and you know what are we going to do? We're not used to doing this. Uh, I think these receivers are going to step up and have some success against a very weak secondary of the Tennessee Titans. You just mentioned uh, how bad they are, but if you look at like who Baltimore has played from a uh, pass defense perspective, this team has gone up against you know two teams that started the season. They they played. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Houston Texans, those are top 12 pass defenses. They also played the number one overall pass defense in the Cleveland Browns. This is by far the weakest pass defense that they've that they've faced this year. Uh the only other time that they played a pass defense that was close to this one was in uh, what was that? The the, the cyclone, the the uh tropical storm, right, that formed. And that was against the Indianapolis Colts. And they obviously couldn't really throw the ball down the field. Uh their offensive line was extremely beat up. And they turned to just running the football and throwing it short and didn't look very good. And they still put up, I want to say, 19 points in that game. Um, so they couldn't really do anything down the field there. Uh, th- this game, the weather looks good over there in London and... One other element to this that I find interesting is that when they play man coverage, when they face man coverage, they're number 30 in EPA per attempt, Lamar is. But when they face zone coverage, he's number 10 in EPA per attempt. And the Titans play the NFL's seventh highest rate of zone coverage. And I just look at a guy like Zay Flowers, and I'll just throw out a prop there. I took Zay Flowers' longest reception, over 21 and a half yards. I also like Zay Flowers to go over his yardage total, obviously highly correlated. If you look at what the Titans have allowed two top-wide receivers on other teams. Week one, they allowed both Rashid Shaheed and Chris Olave to go 41-plus yards. Week two, they allowed Keenan Allen to go 42 yards. Week three, they allowed both Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones to go 29-plus yards on their longest reception. I'm talking about longest receptions here. And then week five, they allowed Michael Pittman and Josh Downs to go 27-plus yards on their longest receptions. And I skipped week four. If you notice that, and the reason is because that's the week they played Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was dealing with his calf injury. His A dot, his target depth to Jamar Chase that game was only 3.4 yards. You're not going to have like a 20-plus yard catch when you're throwing the ball like a couple yards beyond the line of scrimmage on average to this guy. To T. Higgins, it was only 6.3 air yards. So they were throwing the ball short, getting it out quick. That's obviously not going to be the case here. I think Lamar Jackson's going to have some success throwing the ball deeper down the field. Tuesday Flowers, who's gone over this number in three of his last four games, the only one he did not is in that tropical storm. Against the Indianapolis Colts. So um, I like that. The other key injury here, House. I'll mention this really briefly. There's a guy on the Tennessee Titans defensive line called Tier Tart. Probably not a household name, obviously, but Mr. Tart has been a linchpin to this run defense. When he is there, this team is allowing only three yards per carry. They don't have to play with loaded boxes nearly as often. Uh, they've allowed only 148 yards on 50 rushes. When he has not been on the field on 52 rushes, they've allowed 262 yards. That's an average of five yards per carry, significantly worse EPA per attempt. They've had to load boxes more. He missed last week's game. He has not practiced yet this week. The game's over in London. Will he go and end up playing? I don't know. But that could allow... You wonder why... Like, we always handicap the Titans. Well, they'll stop the run, right? It's a pass funnel. They'll be able to stop the run. That's first and foremost when you talk about the Titans. Well, last week, the Colts ran roughshod over these guys, and that's part of the reason Tart was not there. That run defense was compromised. Jeffrey Simmons has banged up a little bit, too. I, I just think this is a spot where the Ravens, they went early this week. I think they went on Monday. The Titans Monday, are going yeah. late this week. I think this is a good opportunity for the Ravens to start the game quick, get out the gates quick. They've been there longer. They're adjusted more, and they come out with an aggressive game plan to get points on the Titans, because the one thing that you have to do if you're playing the Titans and you want to ensure the easiest path to victory, jump out early, make these guys yeah. play left-handed, you know, make them not be able to use Derrick Henry, make them throw the ball a lot.
2: I like it a lot. Um, is there uh, a first half total or team total kind of angle then that we're talking ourselves into? Well, I
0: sort of, you know, I sort of like the the, the Ravens to have some success offensively here. So, um Uh, 22 and a half is a team total. Now, if your team total is not 22 and a half, there's an alternative way that you could potentially get involved in this one. And this is not my strongest look of the week. Uh, but there's an alternative way that you could get involved. And that's just betting the Baltimore Ravens to score more than two and a half touchdowns. And the juice on that is substantially lower than, um, what it might be if you find like a two over 22 and a half for like much higher juice now. A lot of the books now have 23 and a half. Um, and so I just prefer going over two and a half touchdowns for the Ravens.
2: Okay. I like it. Well, you you mentioned a couple minutes ago Joe Burrow. Uh that game is the next game I want to touch on, which is the Seattle Seahawks coming off of a bye, going to Cincinnati. This line has been bouncing around a little bit. It currently sits at Cincinnati at home, favored by two and a half points. The total now it's 44 and a half. It keeps going down. This is one of those places where the weather um, is in question. There's a potential for some precipitation and some uh, wind. And the opening question here is, will the real Joe Burrow please stand up? Because the version of Joe Burrow that we got against the Arizona Cardinals last week is the Joe Burrow that everybody... Hoped to see this entire season was anticipating when the Cincinnati Bengals were forecasted with a win total of 11 and a half. Anybody playing the over was anticipating this version of Joe Burrow. His perfect relationship with Joe Mar Chase, who was always effing open. 15 catches over 200 yards, three t- touchdowns. Um, and Joe Burrow was mobile. He was moving in the pocket. He scrambled a couple times. Um, and the, the, the concern coming into this week and and really all of these weeks has been that, that calf, it's a, it's a persistent, pernicious injury. Can he overcome it? Well, he, something happened, uh, in between week four and week five, because he looked tremendous against Arizona. Um, Seattle really scores well on offense. They have a top 10 rushing offense, a top 10 passing offense. They are Pete Carroll's very good as an underdog. Geno Smith, surprisingly good as an underdog. Um, but everything to me boils down to what version of Joe Burrow are we going to see? Do you have an opinion on this one?
0: Well, in terms of Joe Burrow, we talked about this, you know, this potential, um, But what we saw last week was a Joe Burrow who was playing a defense in the Arizona Cardinals. It's like the perfect defense for him to go up against because this defense, uh, I don't know, I I guess they're I guess they're like uh, the style of defense that's going to get quarterbacks paid, you know, because they do not blitz and they do not get pressure. And that's just how they act like all the time. They're just going to sit back and they're not going to get pressure. And then they have this dangerous combination of not blitzing, not getting pressure, but also being terrible over the top, uh, allowing deeper pass plays to be completed. And we might be touching on one of the other games here later on uh, related to this concept. So I just think that that was a great opportunity for Joe Burrow to have some success, to be able to move around a little bit in the pocket. Um I view this game and I watched the the, uh, the New York Giants play Seattle and I saw Witherspoon blitzing on these cat blitzes and coming in from the corner and uh, disrupting Jane, Daniel Jones in the pocket and catching him from the blind side and all the things that they might end up trying to do here to make life hell for Joe Burrow, unlike what the Arizona Cardinals did. So I do not think we're going to see how the same Joe Burrow really comfortable in the pocket like we saw last week, uh, but I do expect him to be healthier and move around better this upcoming week. So that's my thought on Joe Burrow. That should obviously help the offense, but it's not going to look like it did against the Arizona Cardinals crap defense. I'm looking at both of these teams and there could be weather in this game. We got to see what it's actually going to be like. Certainly the betting market is anticipating there to be weather in this game because This total was at 45 and a half at a lot of spots. It's now down to 44 and a half as a lot of spots. And uh, I think FanDuel actually is down to 44 and a half as well. And we'll see if we end up getting that weather. But both of these teams are two of the most, two of the three most efficient teams passing the football less than 15 air yards. And they do it quite frequently. They like to, just like the Kansas City Chiefs, they like to throw it short, but they're very efficient when they do throw it short. And I think that it's going to be able to play towards both of them having some semblance of success. Be on the lookout in this game for some explosive runs from Kenneth Walker III and the Seattle Seahawks rushing attack here because very surprisingly and uncharacteristically from what we've seen the last several years, this Cincinnati Bengals run defense has not really had money teeth. And you can run on them and you can get explosive gains on them as well. And we know that the Seattle Seahawks, if they're anything, uh, they're quite inefficient when they run the football, but they're very hit or miss. You know, they'll run into the line three straight times and then they'll break a 35 yarder. Um, and I absolutely think that they're going to have a couple 20 plus yard gains on the ground potentially here. In this, in this game that could help flip field position. But a close game, a lot of people potentially are utilizing the Seahawks in a, you know, a teaser to get them up through the three. And the uh, in the eight, I know some other people that are trying to lay it with the I Bagels thinking this line is a little bit cheap. So, I don't know, do you have a, a strategy as to what you're I, personally doing here? I had my here? left
2: hand up, you know, if you, if you root for the C words, you're supposed to put your left hand up. A left hand up as a, as a teaser leg, and all of the factors that you just described are perfect sort of teaser indicators right if the Fanduel number is two and a half i'm taking my two and a half up to eight and a half where the total is going down you know an eight and a half uh teaser leg where the total is at 44 and a half i like that i like the idea of a run game you know the clock goes goes by quickly that keeps the scored scoring down um and we you know the the Cincinnati offense showing, you know, it's explosive potential against the Cardinals is kind of one thing. Um, different class uh, uh, in Seattle. Now, C- Cincinnati does have two wins this season, both of which have come against the NFC West. We'll see if they're going to make it uh, a hat trick this coming week. But I like the position for Seattle um, coming off a bye. I like the position of Seattle as an underdog. Great teaser leg for me. I have them in a couple of of. Plays already. Uh, we might be talking about it when it comes to be best bet time, Sharpie. Okay, I'm looking forward to that one. Well,
0: let's hit this next one. We got the Colts and the Jaguars. Uh, these teams have already. It's it's wild to say we're in week six. Part of me feels like the season's been going on forever. Part of me realizes that the season is just beginning. Um, I cannot believe, though, that we've got so many high-profile injuries. Uh, Obviously, we've got one to discuss here. Anthony Richardson is not going to be the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts now, next week, or anytime in the near future. So that stinks for the rookie uh, because he was fun to watch, obviously. And now it's going to be Gardner Minshew. But, I mean, these two teams already played once. I personally, these divisional matchups... I am strongly opposed to having them play their second and final matchup against one another by week six. This is, this is ridiculous NFL. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that we complain about schedule, timing, and things of that nature as it relates to. Balancing out the ones and the four o'clock games and whatnot, and all of this is justified. We're always right when we complain about the NFL <laughs> scheduling house, but but we are absolutely right here. I mean, I will put the, the the flag. I'll plant my flag in this take that nobody should like having the second and final matchup against a divisional divisional foe be here in week six. But that is the case in this one. What is your thought on the Colts and the Jaguars as it relates to the spread or the total? Do you have a betting angles in this one?
2: So I like the line when it opened at the beginning of the week in the five and a half territory. And a lot of folks jumped on it right away because it's sitting on Fanduel right now at four and a half. It's it's uh, Jacksonville favored by four and a half at home. Uh, The total, I think, is is it forty five and a half or forty six and a half? Oh my gosh, it's all the way down to 44 and a half. It
0: got, it got smashed to the under on Thursday. Today, uh, we're recording this, uh, I guess the clock flipped to midnight. Uh, so we're now technically Friday. You guys are going to listen to this Friday. So yesterday, on Thursday, uh, it was it got smashed to the under. Uh, Do we know why?
2: I, yes. I, I mean, it's supposed to be warm. What, what's going on?
0: Uh, what's going on is... Uh, one. <laughs> One of one of the accounts that I have access to, uh, I could I could easily see that uh, one of the very sharp betting groups uh, smashed this game to the under, um, and so that's all that it needs to happen here. Um, and there's a couple of reasons why, like we could go through why this game could have been bet to the under, but I think one of the concepts here is that you got a team in Jacksonville that goes and spends two weeks over in London, turns around, comes home, family, friends. Say hi to everybody. You got to go run some errands or whatever. Pick up, you know, the watch at the jewel, jeweler. Uh, do whatever <laughs> other things that you need to do. And then, you know, oh, by the way, I got to prepare for the too. I have played them before. I beat them before. It's not a big deal. And, and maybe they wake up a little bit sleepy for this game. That's kind of
2: part of the thought process here, I believe. Um, so that f- features and factors directly into my handicapping of this. I love the opportunity here to get on the Colts. I feel like we, there, there is no precedent for a team spending two consecutive weeks, you know, in, in, in London, there have been a handful of occasions where a West coast team has come East and decided to stay as the NFL. In fact, to put, you know, it's, it's East coast games back to back so they could stay the 49ers. I can think of, um, as a team that's come and they, they, they go to a, a resort somewhere on the, on the in-between week and practice and then go do their other East coast game. Um, but th- those games, you know, create opportunities for the team uh, that has l- less travel and, you know, the, 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 against the spread of that home team, um, is, is, is not tremendous. The team that is coming off of the travel. So, I, I like the spot for the Colts, but I, I feel like there's there's s- some uh, extra stuff going on here. These teams, by a lot of different metrics, are extremely equal. Um, the Colts are getting a little bit uh, healthy. They had uh, Pay in the concussion protocol. He's coming out of it, it seems. Their left tackle, uh, Bernard Raymond, looks like he's coming out of concussion protocol. The Colts already have uh, a... Um, uh offensive line that is is very well rated. I think it's a it's a you know top 15, top 10 offensive line by uh pro football focus metrics. And we have Jonathan Taylor coming back. What I really like is the symbiosis between Shane Steichen and Gardner Minshew. Like they're gonna be on the same page. Those guys have been working together for a long time and Jacksonville isn't a great front runner. The numbers are terrible for Jacksonville um, as, as a, as a favorite with, uh, Trevor Lawrence, they're bad for them as a favorite, um, of, of more than three points. So I just feel like this is a pretty even matchup and I'll take the team that is in its sort of normal schedule in the form of the Colts, um, over the team that's coming off of this unprecedented wacky kind of scheduling mess.
0: Yeah, I, I hear you. And I know this is very, I'm not. I'm not really on the other side here, but I do hear this as a big talking point. Oh, Gardner Minshew and 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 his coach—they've come from Philly, and they're really well on the same page, and they're really good. And I mean, okay, like I, I don't. I don't really see Gardner Minshew. There's a reason he's a backup right now. There's a reason he's been a backup. Um, he's a fine quarterback. He's fun. He's a good story. I like Gardner Minshew, uh, but there's a big difference when. Most of the games that we have seen Gardner Minshew play because he is a backup are games where the defenses that he's faced have prepared for a starter that's not Gardner Minshew during the course of that week, and then all of a sudden Gardner Minshew is going to be playing. Whether it's Jalen Hurts in that situation or it's Anthony Richardson, and the defense didn't really know for certain that Gardner Minshew was going to be the guy. I went back through and looked at his game log and found only two starts that he's had in the last like three years where the defense knew that it was going to be Gardner Minshew like the whole week pretty much. And they could prepare for him. Granted, these are decent defenses, but it was week 17 in 2022 against the New Orleans saints. And he went 18 of 32 through one touchdown, one interception. They lost that game 20 to 10. He put up 10 points on his offense and 2023 earlier this year against the Baltimore Ravens, where he went 27 of 44, one touchdown, no interception. His team won in overtime, 22 to 19. So they scored 19 points in regulation. Oh, by the way, that was the game where they hit a, they broke an NFL record with hitting five 50 plus yard field goals in a game to even get to 19 points. So it's not as if like Gardner Minshew comes in here uh and has this track record of playing extremely well, well uh, against defenses that are preparing for him. And so that's a concern that I have here for like expecting the Colts to have a ton of success offensively. Now, I don't disagree. Like I would not be betting the Jacksonville Jaguars in this spot, although they have had a lot of success against the Indianapolis Colts in the past. You are absolutely right. There are some things that I like about this game. They're getting quitty payback. Shaq Leonard, practiced in full the last two games uh, last two days with a groin injury and then you've got Walker Little the offensive lineman starting offensive lineman for the Jacksonville Jaguars he has not practiced the last two days due to a knee injury and they also are without Zay Jones at least the last two practices he has not practiced at all with a knee injury so if both of those guys are down and and Cam Robinson is practicing remember he came back last week but he did sustain an elbow injury and I don't know that he's a hundred percent he's practicing and he He's going to play, obviously, but he might, might not be at full strength. Um, the biggest thing to me in this game, House, the... Defense that Gus Bradley plays here is one that Trevor Lawrence has had a lot of success against. He doesn't have big numbers. He doesn't throw the ball down the field. He doesn't have explosive plays. It's a lot of dink and dunk, highly efficient passing. He's, I think, completing in three games since Gus Bradley came to town. Trevor Lawrence is completing like 85% of his passes against this defense. So they've been very efficient. The issue is, can the Colts get pressure on you or not? The Colts are have the biggest splits here, if they get pressure, they don't blitz a lot. If they happen to get pressure naturally, your passing attack ranks dead last in the NFL in efficiency. If their natural pressure ends up hitting home, you stink passing the football. But if their natural pressure does not hit home, you have the second most efficient passing attack. They go from number one to number 31 defensively whether or not they can get pressure. And, you know, when they can't get pressure on Trevor Lawrence, he's going to have some success here. So I think the game plan has got to be for the Colts, you know, run the ball, have some highly efficient passes. Don't ask too much about from from Gardner Minshew. And then if you're, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you're you're hoping you don't start off too slow here because it definitely could be something that ends up happening.
2: All right. Well, I appreciate you urging the caution because I was looking for a money line underdog. Uh, well, I will say tier. this,
0: house, house. I will say this: the, the Jags have had a ton of success. I think winning and covering games, especially in Jacksonville against the Indianapolis Colts. But I also, I will also say this: the 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 Indianapolis Colts are the sharp side of this game. Like, make no mistake about it. I'm not. I'm not telling you don't bet the Indianapolis Colts. I'm just sharing objective analysis on this game and trying to pump the brakes on like Gardner Minshew is like the second coming and because Anthony Richardson's not there. And I know you're not saying this, but like people are suggesting that like Gardner Minshew is going to just like be outstanding in this role. And I'm not so sure that's going to be the case.
2: Well, I have another candidate. I am going to play the Colts. I'm going to, I'm I'm. happy to grab the points. Anything over four feels good to me. Um, And I'll have to think about, the money line underdog play but there is another game out there um that i'm looking at as a potential money line underdog candidate but let's let's take a break uh, and then we'll come back and, and talk about that when we've got another couple games to hit and then we have to get in touch with the betting buddies who have lined up in the queue with a lot of great tickets for us i have to pout myself on the back bet the house is four and one now all of that when we come back sharpie All right, Sharpie, you talked me out of the possibility of riding with the Colts all the way across the goal line in a money line underdog kind of play. There's another one I got my eye on. I'm looking at the extraordinarily downtrodden New England Patriots. The poor podfather has already given up on the season. I think all Patriots nation is, is, is looking in the mirror and trying to say, where do we go from here? the funny game for the New England Patriots going into Las Vegas, Vegas is a short week for them off of Monday night football, but Belichick and his protege, Josh McDaniels, um, Vegas is favored now by two and a half and it's a low total. I think it's 41 and a half or so, uh, in Vegas. I think this is a great opportunity to jump on the New the Patriots. This is, you know, uh, a a classic spot for them. And and in particular for their, for their quarterback, Um, Mac Jones is not good against teams with good pass rush that are, that have high success rate in sacks, high success rate in pressure. The Las Vegas Raiders are not one of those teams. They do not put pressure on the opposing quarterback in any meaningful way. And you know, this is the kind of circumstance in which Mac Jones, you know, m- might look like a competent quarterback. Um the same thing on the other side of the ball, New England defense has had a hard time with, you know, your 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 mobile quarterbacks, but you know, they're the more stationary guys. They can kind of load up on now. I know that we lost judon we lost uh um christian gonzalez so we're down a couple bodies on the defensive side but uh you know this is a a a belichick going up against his protege kind of angle let me hear your your take on this one
0: well you're right um you can call him protege i think there's a lot of what, what we sometimes talk about my 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 uh my partners and I discuss when we're discussing games, we refer to it as there's a lot of incest in a game like this. Um, okay, uh, we've got you know Jimmy G used to be on the Patriots, and so now, but he's over here, and you got Josh McDaniels as well, and you've got you've got uh, uh, Jacoby Myers. Myers as well. And yeah. so Belichick knows all of these guys, right? Like, he he helped bring these guys up, he he helped raise these guys, and so he understands some of their strengths and weaknesses and what they're good at what they're not, and maybe it's easier for him to figure out how they're being utilized, and so it's easier for him to game plan against them, and do you really think that Belichick's going to want to go out there and allow Jacoby Myers to beat them? And then you ask about the Vontae Adams, and I mean, I think he just played last week because it was the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he's probably going to play this week, but like I'm hearing he can't even raise his arm above his head that well. He's getting targeted below the waist uh, to try to catch the football. Um, he's still banged up a little bit on his shoulder, could go out at any point in time. That's not really the reliable number one. And then you look at, you know, what is one of the biggest strengths that you would want to have as it relates to helping Mac Jones, who obviously stinks right now as a quarterback. And we are certainly aware of that. Uh, That's a run game. And You know, I'm looking at the run game on both sides here, and I think the Patriots are going to be able to run the football a little bit better against the Raiders. And conversely, I think that the Raiders are going to struggle to run the football against the Patriots. The Raiders rank number 30 in yards per carry, explosive run rate. They're a bottom 10 team in EPA per rushing attempt. They're not good running the football. And that's despite the fact that they've played the NFL's easiest schedule of run defenses this season. Number 32 Broncos, 27 Chargers, 26 Packers, 22 Bills, and 20 Steelers. The Patriots' strength this year, if there's any, it's been the run defense. They rank number six defending the run. And so I think they're going to be able to limit the rushing attack of the Raiders. I think they're going to force the Raiders and Jimmy G to push the ball through the air. I think they're going to be able to minimize Jacoby Myers, they're going to not have a 100% healthy Devontae Adams there. And I just don't know what this Raiders team is going to do from a point production standpoint. When you look at, you know, what this team is averaging, they're averaging only 8.8 first half points per game. Think about who the Patriots have gone up against House. They have played teams like the Miami Dolphins. The Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys, and the New Orleans Saints. And when you think about those teams, think about their offenses and the explosiveness that they have. Block out what happened to the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy against the 49ers last week momentarily. Uh, These teams all can put up points early, and they put Mac Jones and company in a big hole. And so Mac Jones has to come play in the second half at a super high tempo with super predictable play calling because they're playing from behind and they're passing in obvious passing situations. And... They're not able to run the ball. They're not able to give Mac Jones any support because they're down by 20-some points. It's just not a good situation for any quarterback who's not very good to thrive in. Um, In this game, if the Raiders don't get out, that allows the Patriots to have the full playbook open the entire second half, to be able to be competitive in this game, and to try to potentially steal a win. And then, then, if the Patriots do so happen to be up in this game in the second half, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that this team is going to be super conservative, we know Belichick's not going for it on fourth downs like he once did. I mean, they're going to be punting and pinning. They're going to be playing field position. They're going to be trying to escape dodge without having Mac Jones throw a catastrophic pick six. Remember what happened at the end of the last game uh, oh, against these guys where we oh, had we the do. stiff arm that shoved uh Mac Jones down into middle earth uh as Chandler Jones returned a touchdown to seal the game on the final play of it. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. Now Jacoby Myers is on the other side. He was the one who got that whole thing uh, started with that insane backwards pass, whatever he was thinking. Bottom line here is I, I just don't think that this team is going to take any risks if they are up late um a grinder type game late and I think that uh you know the Patriots of, of any chance they've had to win a game in recent weeks of any chance they've had to look good, this is that chance you know this is that really big opportunity for them. It's set up very nicely and yet they're catching three points and nobody wants them. Um, uh, because we saw the Raiders win last week against the Green Bay Packers who played themselves terribly in a spot that they could have won and they just ended up barfing all over themselves. So uh, I think the Packers lost the game as much as the Raiders won it.
2: I, I couldn't agree more. And the point you made about the schedule that the Patriots had to start this season, I mean, it is absolutely brutal what they've gone up against and so it's not really a stunning surprise that they haven't looked great. They don't have, you know, superb talent on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, they did bring in an offensive coordinator this year. It, there does look like the semblance of a game plan, but they're constantly playing catch up. It started from the first half against the Eagles to start the season. Uh, and they've been playing catch up really ever since, other than the Jets game where they, they almost let Zach Wilson be our hero, but thankfully uh, put enough pressure on him at the end. But I like that game script that we saw in that Jets game. I can sort of see a similar thing here. I like the Patriots on the money line. I like the under once again in this game. I can't come up with, you know, really either one of these teams getting to 20 points. So uh, let me go ahead and play under that that 41 number and and little money line on Bill Belichick. And, you know, I, I don't know how that squares with what Patriots Nation is hoping for out of this team, but for sure, beating McDaniels and the former uh, Pats will feel good for one night for, for Belichick, and then it'll be on to the next whatever, whoever the Patriots have next. What we have next, Warren Sharp, is we on this show have been looking at the lines every week and talking about um, one particular game of note, one one game that catches our interest in terms of line movement. This week, that game seems to be the Minnesota Vikings who are at the Chicago Bears. Uh, the line opened um, with Chicago, uh, I mean with the with the Vikings um, as a much bigger favorite. It's been pushed down because of, I think primarily the Justin Jefferson injury. But what's your observation? on on what's been going on with that line.
0: Yeah, just two interesting points. There's been a lot of line movement here, side and total. The look ahead for this game was four and a half, which with the Vikings were supposed to be favored. Uh, Right now, the line is only two and a half. So uh, through the three, over the four as well, which is a relatively important number, and through the three, which is the single most important number, uh, down to two and a half. This is a big move. And I realize that Justin Jefferson is a vital part, but... And and so he's worth a fair amount on the point spread. However, if there is going to be weather in this game, which certainly the total indicates, the total was as high as 49 on the look at numbers. And earlier this week on Sunday night, it was 49. Right now, this line is down all the way, almost six full points down to 43 and a half at FanDuel. That's a massive move. They're predicting some weather being an issue here. Uh, If weather's an issue and you can't really pass the ball, how important is your number one wide receiver? Right? Like the, the, it does not make sense to give so much movement towards the under saying we're not going to be able to pass the ball. We're not going to be able to use our receiving core very much here and then still make a huge, you know, complete move through the three because Justin Jefferson is not available. Um, I do not view the Chicago Bears win over the Washington Commanders, the SeaWorks as this massive, like, victory, this turning point in the season for the Chicago Bears. And I also understand the thought process, like, well, it's bad weather, potentially, you might have some wind, you might have some rain, that should bode well for the team that plays outdoors, not the dome team. And I get it. But guess what? The Chicago Bears, maybe without Khalil Herbert, who looks like he's going to be out for multiple weeks with an ankle injury, he's running back one. Running back two is Roshon Johnson. I don't know if he practiced yet today. I got to go back and look, but he definitely didn't practice with his concussion on Wednesday. Running back two might be out. Running back three, Travis Homer, suffered a hamstring injury. He did not practice on Wednesday either. Don't know his status right now. He could be out as well. So you're talking about you need to run the ball because of the wind, but you don't have your top running backs to do so. Quietly, the Vikings run defense is number five in yards per carry and number three in explosive run rate. Quietly, the Chicago Bears have the worst run defense in the NFL and quietly the Minnesota Vikings have the number four ranked run offense in the league. So you, like the run game, if you want to talk about the run game, it actually favors the Minnesota Vikings. It does not favor the Chicago Bears. Um So uh, I do value Justin Fields with his legs in a game like this because that could make a big difference. Kirk Cousins can't run the football. So Kirk is going to either throw it or hand it off. Uh, you got a binomial there. Whereas, you know, Justin Fields is going to be able to run the ball a fair amount and muddy up this game a touch. So that does benefit the Chicago Bears, but this is definitely one where the line has moved a bunch. And I'm trying to justify how the total can drop while the side's moving as much if the passing game is not going to be as important then Justin
2: Jefferson's absence should not be as important to either. Well, this is a great setup for the betting buddy segment. It is now time to jump into the timeline and see how our good friends here on this Thursday night. It's my new favorite Thursday night tradition because the games are so bad. The second half, we at least get some great, you know, participation on the timeline from all the creatives out there. Thank you very much for sending us your your best thoughts on how to handle some of the our business uh, on a week to week basis. Uh, I want to jump right in now. The way we're doing this, Sharpie. Uh, reminder to everybody, our good pals at FanDuel is uh, have come up with an arrangement where if you send us a genuine ticket with your username associated with it, and we choose. Your proposed wager, then there is a hundred dollars in FanDuel bets that come along with our selection uh, of you as the winner for the week. So, everybody, please, to the extent you're able to do so, send in your proposed wagers with the ticket with your username, and um, we'll 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 uh, try and, and put a hundred dollars into your FanDuel account. Now, not everybody everywhere has access to FanDuel. We recognize that. So we'll give some shout outs along the way, just a recognition of job well done. There's a guy on here, we we just did that Bears Vikings game, Mason Cannell talking about Bears Vikings over 43 and a half. He properly observes that the Bears, they're perfect 5 and 0 to the over this season, the only team in the NFL that's true of 15 and 7 to the over their last 22 games. They finally won a game, first game in in almost a a full year. But shout out to Mason Cannell. Uh, And then we had another um, proposed wager on here. Uh, There's a ticket that that we particularly took note of. Um, It had to do with the Dolphins, right? Yep, absolutely. Ryan Flattery. uh, uh, Flattery.
0: Flaherty, at the Ryan Flaherty on X. He's got Adam Thielen 50-plus receiving yards and Tyreek Hill 70-plus receiving yards. You parlay those together, it pays out plus 126 on FanDuel. He shared his ticket. Now, I know you didn't want to choose this one, for the winner of the contest, Uh, but you came close, Ryan. This was a good opportunity here. I do think that the Carolina Panthers are going to be trailing these two teams, you know, going going up against one another. Carolina is going to need to get Adam Thielen involved a ton, and then Tyreek Hill, we didn't get a chance to break down this game, but this is a defense in the Carolina Panthers that ranks second worst against explosive passes over the top. We saw Tyreek Hill against the Giants last week have a good game, but some of that was underneath stuff that he was then breaking longer uh, because the Giants are actually pretty good stopping bigger pass plays over the top but the Carolina Panthers are the exact opposite they're terrible stopping pass plays over the top and they're terrible at getting pressure and as a result we could see 70 plus yards from Tyreek Hill we know that one thing's for sure we're not going to see Devin Aichon, uh get any big runs here because he's out so I'm heartbroken uh, we might, I'm heartbroken as well that was a very nice Weekly winner for me the past several weeks of betting his longest rushing attempt over that thing was like, uh, like a well oiled machine, just week after week kept cashing in. Um, but before we get to the winner here, house, I do want to say two things. Number one, you guys should still submit your ideas to the contest, even if you are not in a state that cannot Play with FanDuel. So I understand we're not all of you can still submit your ideas. We'll still try to hit them. Um, luckily, w- somebody who's in a state with FanDuel, if you are a hundred bucks for free for just winning this contest is a big deal for a lot of you. And we're going to be sticking that FanDuel, sticking that in your account. So if you got the chance, submit your actual ticket for these things that show that you've actually placed the wager. We see again, there's another guy here who stuck a screenshot of just three things loaded into his cart, but didn't actually place the bet there, like just throw a little bit of money on it. It doesn't have to be a lot. It can be five bucks, 10 bucks, something. You have to have an actual ticket to be eligible to win a $100 here. So complete the process of the contest properly and you can win 100 bucks in FanDuel dollars that's going to go a long way for some of you guys to have more fun betting these games throughout the week uh but also we want to hit that betting buddies hit last week house finally nick horn at yeah, Denzel eight thousand, uh, his parlay hit last week. Uh, he gave us a ticket that was plus three fifty nine, was boosted all the way up to plus five thirty eight. So I mean, that's a nice underdog payout, Nick. Yeah. Uh Congratulations there! Not only <laughs> did you win your bet at a significant plus money, but you got a hundred free Fanduel dollars. So th- I mean, that's a double win for really? Nick. That's, ri- he, that's he, all ridiculous. He did was-
2: fade the daylights out of Dallas. It was a fade the Dallas ticket, which is, a has to be the reason that we, that we, I know that <laughs> that's why it, it made an impression on me. And it was Dak under 242 and a half yards. winner. cooks under three and a half catches winner in San Francisco on the money line. Great job, Nick. Uh, but let, let's, let's, let's make it two in a row here with these hot tickets. I, again, we shouted out Ryan Flaherty because I love the way that he uh, correlated a game script. There was a game script that made sense in that Dolphins Carolina game. He was on both sides of it, but it makes a lot of sense. Uh, this this guy, the guy that we've we've chosen for the winner, he's taken two legs of a plus money uh, parlay. And this is, you know, he, he knows me very well. This is uh, Taylor Madge. And what he's pulling together here in a two-leg parlay is the two big favorites of the week. And he, we, he's asking less of them, which I, 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 am ad, I, I, I appreciate. All he wants Miami to do is to score first and win the game. And all he wants Buffalo to do is to score first and win the game. And if you put those two legs together in the manner in which Taylor has, it is a plus 136 two leg parlay so this is the big winner uh if it, it, it certainly fits a lot of you know sort of square inclinations which is where where my that's the world that i operate in sharpie but you know um it's it's certainly sensible right yeah, absolutely. Now, the trick is, I
0: think as it relates to the Buffalo Bills here, they're going up against the New York Giants. This is the Brian Dayball revenge game. Obviously, he, you know, I don't want to say he had a falling out, but there were some issues there with his former head coach. And I'm sure his former head coach would lay up nothing more than to hold Brian Dayball's New York Giants to no points in the first half. And this team has been outscored by their defense. In the first half of games, their defense has more touchdowns than their offense does have uh, so far this season. So he needs the Buffalo Bills to score first and then ultimately win the game. And then, of course, you've got the Miami Dolphins. We just talked about how the Carolina Panthers and Bryce Young, that offense isn't completely a well-oiled machine, to say the least. And how easy it should be for Miami, the, this Carolina Panthers defense defense. Terrible against explosive runs, uh, allows a ton of yards before contact per rush, and is bad against deep passes and can't get pressure on the opposing quarterback. So there aren't that many people out there that are probably expecting that the Miami Dolphins would lose this game. Obviously, any given Sunday, anything could happen, but... You need the Dolphins just to win the game, but the trick here, though, House, is they have to score first. Um, they cannot allow the Panthers to win the opening kickoff and then get a cheap score. And we talked about how Vic Fangio's defense just hasn't been living up to our expectations of them. So they just—you got to avoid them going down and get a cheap field goal or something like that to start the game off. Uh, but at plus money, it's 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 not a bad thought process by Taylor. So he is the winner. For this week, he's got a a, a parlay here of these two uh, favorites. It's still heavy favorites in both legs, but when you parlay them together, it 136. Uh, Speaking of parlays, we've got a same-game parlay for the East Coast Bias crew. You guys got a parlay together for everybody. It's going to be out on the Ringer socials this weekend. You got to be tuning in and checking that out uh, because you guys are having a lot of fun with these. And I think that there's some interesting legs that you got lined up this week, House.
2: Yeah, we're doing uh, one of the four o'clock games. And I think we either hit last week. We're we're, we're we're in the ballpark with all of these. These legs are we're doing three out of four. We hit one definitely in the last two weeks. Speaking of hitting one, Sharpie, four and one thus far out of House. Now, this is a collaborative effort. So we're calling it's bet the house. But really, I couldn't do it without you. Uh, Last you're far too kind. Hit. This is this we, we, is you, my friend. You you well, you look. are
0: you are on a roll, and I'm glad to just be sitting here as a sounding board for you. But the, ultimately, this comes down to you making these calls, and you're crushing it.
2: Let's let's hope we go again. I can't tell whether this is. I'm going to be with the Podfather this upcoming weekend. I'm flying out to Los Angeles. The NBA season is upon us, so we're going to do some forecasting of how the NBA season might play out together in each other's company betting on um, another, uh, Holy cross over, hopefully. Oh my God. The Holy crossovers <laughs> have been spectacular. You've been uh, in, in, in the text thread every week. Everybody check out Saturday. The, the Holy cross win total, the, the, the the, the totals for the game. Uh, the point totals have been tremendous. Uh, I, I can I don't know what the number is now, but the, it, whatever no, the they number haven't, games, they haven't posted them yet. They haven't okay, posted all right. them yet. Well, th- 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 please everybody take a look at that one. Um, I hope he's not mad at me. I'm I'm gonna take the Patriots. I'm gonna take the Patriots on the money line in in this game. I just think that um, this is exactly the right kind of, you know, uh, stubborn, belligerent Bill Belichick. Like f all you guys. I just he they, they were the worst two losses in Patriots history, and this is the spot they come back. The number is plus one thirty two. I like the Patriots. Vegas on a short work week. Uh, Bill knows everybody in that building. Plus 132 for New England on the money line. That is the house play of the week, Sharpie. Let's go. You're taking a dog on the money
0: line. I I love it. Let's uh, hope that the good vibes come through and uh And you guys get to celebrate together. That'll be a lot of fun, Uh, but that'll do it, guys. Thank you for listening. The Ringer Gambling Show will return on Monday when the East Coast Bias guys get back together to recap the weekend and preview Monday Night Football, as well as sharing their favorite baseball bets. Thanks to Joe House for joining me, of course, and to Mike Wargon and Steve Cerruti for producing this episode. Good luck with all your bets this weekend.
2: You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio. Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 533-42. In Connecticut, you can call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org/chat. In Indiana, one 800 With it, in Kansas, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. In Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. Visit, in Maryland, mdgamblinghelp.org. In West Virginia, you can visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net, or... In Wyoming, you can call 1 800 522 4700. Hope is here. Visit gambling or call 800 327 5050 for 24 7 support in Massachusetts or call in New York 1 877 8HOPENY or text ny in New York.